Good morning. Good morning, everyone. God has been at work among us. Even Dan remembered that the youth were going out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah, indeed. Great to see you all this morning. Um, since February, we've been uh, in a series on the Holy Spirit, and I hope that you have grasped by now that the Holy Spirit wants to fill every part of your life. That means that he wants to transform. He wants to fill and transform all of your relationships. He transforms our relationship with God, first and foremost. We, we no longer live in fear of Almighty God, but we call him our Heavenly Father. And uh, we have the spirit of adoption in us. We heard about that a few weeks ago. The Holy Spirit also changes our relationship with our unbelieving friends and family. The Spirit sends us to share God's love with them, with people who don't know him yet, to introduce them to Jesus and bring bring them into his family. And when we do this, we're partnering with the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in the world. Thirdly, our relationship with colleagues, people in our community around us is transformed. We are empowered by the Spirit to bless all those people that God has put around us and to work for his glory wherever he's put you. We're enabled to share our faith at work, as Peter was teaching about last week. And lastly, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are brought into new relationship with brothers and sisters within the family of faith, the church. We become spiritual siblings who are deeply committed to one another. You know, Jesus has united us. If you're a Christian here, Jesus has has united us together in a profound, eternal way. And he's called us to lay down our lives for one another. So this morning, we're going to focus on that last category of relationships, the spirit-filled fellowship that we have with brothers and sisters in church. And I want to show you why these relationships are one of God's greatest gifts to you and why they are absolutely essential if you want to follow Jesus and become more like him. So I I grew up in a a Christian home, attending church, and I'm really grateful for loving parents who've pointed me to Jesus. That's a great gift to have been given. But I, I didn't really have any peers around me who were running after God passionately. I, I honestly just, I didn't even really know what it looked like for a, a young guy, a teenager to, to be living for Jesus and to be, you know, wanting to live for his glory. There was nobody who was, I guess, able to walk alongside me in the, the, the challenges of that season of life. I, I, I think I, I did want to follow Jesus. But without support and encouragement and accountability, even the best intentions get drowned out by other things, right? There were Christian leaders who came in and out of my life, and that was amazing. It was such a big help to me, but it wasn't enough. I just kind of, I guess, drifted into worldly ways of thinking, worldly ways of living. Kind of chose more and more to live for myself rather than live for God. And as an isolated Christian, I became a half-hearted Christian and a confused Christian, 
maybe even a vulnerable Christian. And praise God, he finally brought me out of that um, when I, I got my act together and started attending church when I was about halfway through university. I was 21 when I first walked through the doors of King's Church, and I'd been out of church for quite a while. And Man, God used so much in church to, to, to change my life. The, the preaching, the teaching, worship, um, leaders who were very patient and took time to invest in me. But there was one thing that, that had a bigger influence that, than everything else, particularly in those early years. It was something I'd not had before. Christian brothers around my stage of life who were living for God and who encouraged me to do the same. These people like, really cared about me and my walk with God. They seemed really eager to encourage me and like, unnervingly willing to challenge me <laughs> when I needed it, gently. I began spending time with one guy in particular who I knew from a small group. And, and we, didn't, we didn't have a whole lot in common. We weren't particularly similar. He was uh, a grumpy Geordie who really liked football, and I wasn't, I guess. And um, we did have one thing in common, though. Jesus. And uh, it didn't take us long. When we met up, it didn't take us long to start chatting about our, our faith and our walk with God and how we were really doing. And uh, it was intentional. It was, like it, was a, it was purposeful. It was like I'd not really seen that in friendships before. It, it, was, it was really purposeful. God used it to really change my life and, and other relationships. And since then, it's been a pattern repeated over and over again in my life. I'm grateful to God for that. Well, I want to say to you this morning that God wants to use relationships like that in your life to lead you into the fullness of life that God has for you. In Hebrews, we read, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We're told here that we must be intentional. We must consider one another. We must make a point of spurring one another on in faith. And that requires meeting somewhat regularly, developing real authentic relationships. Like we must be involved in, in our brothers' and sisters' lives to the extent that we can genuinely encourage and stir up, literally provoke, it says, one another to acts of love, faith, and obedience to God. My, my general personal observation is that women tend to be better at this than men, but particularly um, getting alongside one another and being open and honest and encouraging. But my impression is that most of us here are yet to fully, really grab hold of this and the power of it in our lives. So why don't we? I think there's loads of reasons for that. I think... The secular culture around us affects us even in church. And most people in modern Britain shy away from relationships that are, are genuinely open and honest and accountable. I know I certainly did. 
before I was in church. All of us know we need company, right? Well, most of us. Well, I think we're particularly aware of that since the, uh, the lockdowns had us all shut away for so long. And, and who doesn't want friends that we can have a laugh with, right? Like, that is so good. That is, that, is, that is brilliant. There's nothing wrong with it. It's valuable. It is wonderful. But our culture is fiercely individualistic. In historical terms and right the way across the world, if you evaluated modern British culture, it would be like at an extreme of individualism. Like it's all about me, it's just taking care of myself, everything is meant to serve me. And I think if we're not careful, we, we can miss our deep need to be known by other people. And our relationships can just become a vehicle to, uh, I guess, make us feel good and to help us avoid some of the stresses of life or distract us maybe from the stresses of life for just a couple of hours at a time. I think this can be true even in church and even in small groups, even in good small groups. We don't want relationships to challenge us or, or actually change us. Too often we choose busyness and frenetic activity over really taking time to connect because investing in other people is costly. We choose shallow chat because I guess it, it prevents us being open to challenge. It's just safer. And we run from accountability because it seems like an invasion of our personal autonomy. Like, accountability has is, is almost become a dirty word in our culture. Like we get offended so easily. We're, 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 why should that person have an opinion on, on my life? You know, mind your own business. And we work hard to, to hide our true selves by curating these, these perfect social media accounts and Instagram feeds, what have you, that just make it seem like we're, we're sorted. Like, and we love scrolling through our own, our own feed, don't we? Like, looks pretty, my life looks pretty good on here. <laughs> and we fear being truly known because being known comes with the possibility of being rejected. And, and opening up our lives to other, like a few trusted brothers or sisters, is, it's a scary thing. I'm not trying to trivialize that. Like that, that fear is real. It can be really hard to let people into the deep things of our lives, can't it? But if we're not careful, our relationship with our brothers and sisters in church can just begin to look exactly the same as like secular relationships out in the world. And it's really not meant to. So what's the alternative? The alternative is relationships that are defined by the gospel. The gospel says two things about you. You are more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe. But you're more accepted and loved than you ever dared hope. God has invited us into a relationship with him and with other believers where we can be truly known, where we're authentic and, and accountable, where we can give and receive meaningful encouragement and support based on the raw reality of our lives, not the sort of curated version of it. 
and where we can be reminded of the acceptance and security that we're given by our Heavenly Father. Spirit-filled fellowship flows directly out of the good news of the gospel. So why do we need it? Why do we need spirit-filled fellowship? Why do we need each other? Well, firstly, because we are made in the image of God, who is himself in deep fellowship. God is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he has existed in that Trinity, in perfect unity, in perfect community, for all of eternity. And we're made in his image to somehow reflect what he is like. And so at the deepest foundation of who we are, we are, we are really not made for isol isolation. That deep yearning in us to truly know and be known is actually part of the way God has created every one of us to be. Secondly, as I alluded to earlier, isolated Christians are vulnerable Christians. Isolation makes us vulnerable to sin, to guilt, to discouragement. These are all weapons that the enemy wants to use to get at you. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Lions look for prey on the edge of the herd, and they try and detach them from, from the pack. Don't let yourself get separated from the spiritual family that God has provided you with to help keep you safe. Don't get me wrong, it's not that we're, we're dependent on other Christians for our relationship with God. We have the Spirit of God dwelling in us, right? But Spirit-filled fellowship, like I'm talking about, is there to constantly point one another towards our endless source of strength, towards Jesus himself. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life through other Spirit-filled believers to make you more like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Oh, that was easier. The Holy Spirit wants to make you more like Jesus. And although the Holy Spirit can work in whatever way he wants to, because he's God, he so often chooses to work through other believers, other people that he's put in your life. And when we close ourselves off to some extent from other people, we also close ourselves off to some extent from the work of the Holy Spirit, the work that he wants to do in your life. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Verse that loads of you will know. Living life in close fellowship with others has its challenges, doesn't it? No doubt about that. The process of iron sharpening iron involves friction. Instead of seeking to avoid friction at all costs, like so many of us are wired to do, we must allow God to use it to shape us into his likeness, to shape us into people who look more like Jesus. And it can feel cumbersome to always have to consider others. 
is that passage I read um, from Hebrews at the start instructs us to do. But we are stronger together than apart. There's an old African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Fourthly, God himself inhabits the time spent between spirit-filled believers. In Matthew 18, verse 20, Jesus says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. This is a really great promise when you're really struggling with the worth or fruitfulness of of fellowship with other believers. Oh, really? I'm I'm tired. I'm not sure sure I have it in me today. Here's the promise. God is in that time. He is with you as you gather together with other believers, as you develop those relationships. God is in it. Fifthly, when we pursue spirit-filled fellowship, it's not just something that helps us individually. We are doing something much, much bigger than that. We're participating in God's grand plan of redemption for all of humanity. Let me explain that a little bit. God's ultimate purpose is to unite all things in him, to bring everything under his lordship. We know this from Ephesians 1 and Colossians 1. That starts with you. If you are a Christian, God has already set about the work of bringing all of you, your your will, your desires, your actions, under his lordship. It's what you were made for, and it's it's where you will find fullness of life. God delights in rescuing each one of us as individuals. That is true. There was a chasm that existed between you and God because of your sin. And Jesus, by his death and resurrection, has bridged that gap. He's healed the most important relationship you can ever have, the relationship between you and God. You're allowed to be excited about that if you want to be. But it doesn't stop there. I think too often, Christian, that's like, that's the limit of, 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 of our understanding of salvation. Like, it's just about me and God. It's just about me and God. The Bible is clear that God is about the redemption and recreation of a, a new humanity. Not only with restored relationship with him, but with one another. This new humanity is his church. How we interact with one another is a key part of God's kingdom on earth. Jesus cares so deeply about how his family relates to one another. That's one of the main themes of the New Testament. In John 13, 35, he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And this is one of 108 mentions of the the term one another in the New Testament. And 59 of those are direct commands about how believers are to relate to one another, to their brothers and sisters in Christ. We are to encourage one another and build one another up, bear one another's burdens, comfort one another, speak the truth in love to one another, teach and admonish one another, confess your sins to one another, submit to one another. Exhort one another. Pray for one another. Like the list just goes on and on and on. Let's take these commands seriously. 
because they are so good for you and they bring you into God's grand purposes for the world. Finally, Spirit-Filled Fellowship is about partnering together on our God-given mission. In Acts 2.42, we're told that the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. This word fellowship is koinonia in the Greek, which literally means close association or partnership. And in his letter to fellow believers in Philippi, Paul uses the same word. He writes, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your koinonia, your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Partnership in Christ is significant. In spirit-filled fellowship, we strive side by side with our brothers and sisters, joining with them in a common purpose that's bigger than ourselves. You know, if you're a Christian, you can have very little in common with another believer but still share the most important thing. So what can we do? Well, in this season at Kings, we're currently focusing on rediscovering church as family. I want to encourage you to step into your role as brothers and sisters in this family. Just give some time to considering what that might look like for you. I think one thing it looks like is committing to one another. It means committing to Sunday gatherings and small groups, every, every opportunity that you get, but, but not just attending, you know? Family isn't about just attending. It means stepping into intentional relationships across the church where, where you can be a blessing and where you can be blessed, not just keeping people at arm's length all the time. Now, I'm not saying that all your relationships in church are going to be like super open, honest, and, and deep in, in, in equal measure. But if there aren't any trusted Christians in your life that you're inviting in on that kind of level, then you are leaving yourself vulnerable, and you're missing out on, on great opportunities for the Holy Spirit to work in you. Now, there's one specific way that I want to talk to you about today um, that I want to encourage you uh, to respond in. And um, to, to talk to you about that, I'm going to invite uh, Matt, Matt Wright up onto stage to tell you a little bit more about that. So let's, let's all hear it from Matt as he comes and joins me up here. Just... Uh, just, just waiting for our, our, our roadie, uh, Dan, to sort us out. Okay. Uh, injured myself a wee bit, so I don't know how well I would survive on a high chair. So you, I've asked you, for want, a, do you want a hand up? The I've asked for a red chair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for those of you who don't know, 
Uh, Matt, this is Matt. He's married to uh, Deborah. They've got a two-year-old now, Micah. And uh, Matt works as a, a policeman in our city. Um, Matt, why don't you tell us some of your story, um, how you came, I guess, to realize your need for the kind of relationships that I've been talking about this morning. Um, yeah, fire away. Good morning, everyone. Um, I, I was fortunate enough, I became a Christian at 19, and I was fortunate enough to always have good Christian friends around me at that time, both at home in Northern Ireland and in, in England when I was at university. Um, I guess I suppose I took it a wee bit for granted. We would always get together, chat, just chat about how we were doing, um, how our walk with God was, um, how we were doing in our life and our relationships and whatever was going on. And I really valued that time. It was only ever with a few small group, um, small number of people that, that I did it with. But like I said, I, I kind of just did it on autopilot. And then, um, when, it, like I said, I had both groups at uni and, and at home. We moved to Scotland in 2016, um, both for, it was kind of my first real job. And I sort of had to get up really early and come home later. And, it, you know, I, and it was, you know, it was a bit of a shock, to be honest. And I think coming to Scotland as well, you know, we didn't, we didn't have any natural friends here. People in church were very good and welcomed us in, but I didn't have those established relationships. Um, and suddenly I realized I was working all the time um, and I didn't have these kind of set up friends. So I wasn't having these conversations. And I kind of really, really missed it. I really missed sitting down and, and talking about how I was feeling or what I was struggling with or and what God was speaking to me about. Um, and then I started having these conversations with other people, mainly in church. Um, and it, it seemed that, that they, felt, they felt the same, either that they'd maybe previously had relationships like that that were beneficial to them. They had them and they were working and they were good for their life or they could really see the, ben the benefit in them. Um, and I guess I suppose God then, this is about three years ago, God really started to speak to me about what is now um, running partners. And he gave me Hebrews 10, which um, Chris read and I started to realize why I was missing those conversations because God calls us to consider one another to think about your brother and your sister um, that's kind of your one of your jobs as a Christian and um, I suppose I started to realize sort of how vital this was to um, to my spiritual spiritual health so that started a, a long version of thinking about this and thinking about these relationships do you know what? I had to face some hard realities. Um, as we get older, and listen, this is absolutely for younger people, but I just think they do it better than we do. Because they have a little more time. I'm not saying that they're just free and easy, but you know, they have a little bit more time. It's more susceptible to building good relationships. Um, and as you get older, I think I confronted that we all get busy, don't we? Um, work, children, houses, the, you know, serving in church and all of those things take up so much time and it just creeps in before you know what I found it it, it had creeped in um, and I think these types of friendships um, get pushed to the side a wee bit um, we maybe become we maybe accept sh more shallow relationships um, just because not purposefully but just because of, of how um, of how life is but I think that brings real difficulties yeah. and I think that can be that can be challenged because I certainly found that, that I needed them. My dad is, is a perfect example. Someone who went to church and I suppose had it all together all in his life. But just gradually as life went on, he shrunk from maybe people around him, people speaking truth, 
into his life, um, opening up his life before other people and just walking the race and or running the race that, that we're called to run as Christians. And then it unraveled for him. Um, and I just think we can guard against things like that by, by, doing, by doing what I've called running partners, but with, which is essentially running through life with other brothers and sisters um, and being open and talking and encouraging with each other. Um, and yeah, and, and using that as the basis to which we excel into other parts of life. So that's, yeah, it's kind of a, a brief history of Running Partners. No, that's brilliant. So Running Partners that Matt mentioned there, that's something that we're kind of launching at King's this morning. And um, Matt's going to be heading this up for us. It's something he's been speaking to us as elders about for a little while. Um, and something he's really passionate about, as you can tell. And Matt, just before we move on, there's something that many people here, and I know I, I certainly um, needed some help getting, getting over this, just to clear one thing up, it doesn't involve running, does it? No. no. Yeah. I remember when I first pitched the idea, and they were like, Matt, you know, exercise is not for everyone. And I was kind of, yeah. No. Abso- absolutely not. If you want to do it while you're running, fair play to you. That occurs a good level of fitness. But um, no, absolutely nothing athletic at all. Um, it is about running the race of life together. Um, and I couldn't, you know, I really struggled with a name for a long time, but I think it kind of works. Um, we're all kind of at different stages and doing different things, and it's just about getting on to people and running metaphorically, spiritually, not physically. But like I said, Ali, if you want to do it, it's absolutely fine to do it that way. Um, there's nothing against that. I mean, you might be hobbling around today, but like Matt does triathlons and Ironman competitions and stuff, so when he first pitched that idea, you can, you can imagine yeah, my fear. Yeah, seriously. Like, I don't, I'm not going on a run yeah. with you. Um, so that's, that's a great relief. Thanks for that. Um, practically then, what is, what is Running Partners? What's all about? Yeah, so where does the rubber hit the road? What, what is this? So essentially, it's trios. It's three uh, either male or female groups. Um, we think that's a really healthy number. Um, no bigger, no smaller. Um, three people getting together for maybe an hour or so. It can be longer, um, but an hour is probably about the minimum to actually have any meaningful conversation um, about how you're doing and, and what's going on. Um, the purpose of the group and what you should be talking about, it's there to encourage each other, to spur each other on, to, to gently challenge each other if, if it's appropriate, and just to, to, to love each other um, in that. Um, did I say about, about, every, about every month we think is four to six weeks is, is generally a healthy time frame. I should say that I've done quite a few of these groups and I've done them with different people and heard different models of this. So there is no... Um, prescriptive, anything I say. Some of it is prescriptive, but a lot of it is just seeing how you are, seeing how you work as a person. You know, some people, every every six weeks is more than enough. Um, and other people would probably want to meet every week. So yeah, a lot of this will be will be feeling your way if you do it. But yeah, so threes, about every four to six weeks, um, to encourage each other, spur one another on, um, and gently love and challenge each other. Um, it's probably unlike anything else that we do. So there there's, there's no group leader. We're saying that there shouldn't be anybody leading it. It's mutually beneficial. It's running the race together. Um, loads of you um, serve incredibly well and lead things incredibly well um, and disciple others incredibly well. And, you know, having been subject to that, I'm ex- extremely grateful. But this is about getting alongside each other um, and moving forward together. And I think that's why we're saying that we're encouraging maybe the same age and stage for people. Um, again, that's not absolutely prescriptive. I know of groups that have different varying ages and, and, it, and it works fine. Um, essentially, if you're, if you're getting together, you know, in, 
guided by, led by the Spirit, guided by God's Word, mm. and wanting to encourage your brothers or sisters, then do you know what I mean? Absolutely crack on. But from having done this before, it's helpful if, if you're at a similar stage and you're, you're running those, going through those things together, whether it's um, you know, university or newly married or kids or whatever life stage you're at. Sometimes it's helpful. I've certainly found to run the race with people that are, that are with you um, because it's meant to be mutually beneficial and no one person's meant to take on sort of an uneven, an uneven um, burden at all. Um, you might be asking, what do we talk about? Um, sometimes I ask myself that when I'm in the group because it, it changes. There will be seasons and there will be times, I think, when you start to do these groups that will be appropriate to talk about deeper things. Um, maybe you're really struggling with something, you're really going through something, and it'd be appropriate to get you know, really deep in and talk about that and work through that and pray through that with your brothers or sisters. And other times, I found in my groups, you just talk about life, how things are going, how's work going, how's that relationship going, um, things like, what's God speaking to you about? What are you struggling with? What can we pray for? Um, how are you finding sharing the gospel at work or where, wherever you are? Whatever it may be, there'll be different seasons and, and different levels of, um, of conversation, I suppose. I will say, and I make no apologies for saying, it isn't a social group. I'm not asking for us to meet up and, and, and just have a, have a general chat. You know, I think it's important to be purposeful um, in what we're doing. And we are there to, to run with each other and to encourage each other on and spare each other on into whatever God has called us. And that requires a bit of purpose. But it doesn't always need to be deep and drag and, and really heavy but sometimes I'll be okay mm. so at Kings we obviously have larger midweek groups small groups of like 10 to 15 people who kind of meet together to worship and study the Bible discuss mm. the Bible and hang out together this is this is very different from that isn't it yeah no no ab absolutely <laughs> this is not meant to replace small groups or be in any way in competition with it um if you're not in a small group, I would encourage you to join one. And what we're saying is a prerequisite of, of kind of forming a running group is that you're a Christian, you've accepted God into your life as your saviour, and that you're part of a, of a small group. Mm. Um, our small groups are the absolute lifeblood of, of our community, and they're, um, they're essential to everything we do in building God's kingdom in this community and in this city, and a great way of reaching out and serving our community. So no... Please keep going to your small groups. They're so important, and this is, this, is, this is something different. But I think we recognized in chatting that small group leaders, who are superheroes, by the way, absolute superheroes, but they can't do everything. Um, and, you know, we open the word together. Um, we, like I said, we serve our community, bring people in from our community, do life together, share family together, share food together. And it is hard, maybe in some of the sizes of the group, to do things on this sort of intimate level that we're asking here. So... Um, yeah, this is totally separate. And small group leaders, you can breathe a sigh of relief because we'll not be asking you to administrate this or to organize this. Um, and there's no prescription that uh, anybody that's in your group is from your small group. If they are, that's, that's great. And maybe naturally, speaking to someone last week who said that naturally his relationships with people in his, in his small group would work. But if it doesn't, that's absolutely fine. But no, this is, this is something different. So keep going to your small groups. Amazing. So we're talking about meeting up with a couple of other Christians regularly to purposefully spur each other on in, in faith. What would you say to people who are like, I think I'm already doing that. Like that's already part of my yeah. experience. And there's probably been some people that have been sitting here for 
10 minutes going, Matt, I pretty much already do that. So if you could <laughs> hurry up, that would be great. And, and that's absolutely <laughs> fine. I've had, some, I've had so many good, <coughs> encouraging conversations about people who do this organically. You might not do it prescriptively as, as we're saying it, or it may not be a three, it may be a two, or, or whatever, or whatever. You might be doing some form of this. I was encouraged last week, actually, when Peter was preaching, and he said that him and Raf were fishing, and I thought, that's running partners. That's what that is. You know, they were sharing the gospel to the other fishermen and stuff. You know, that is what I'm talking about. It's, it's you know, it's running through life with other, with other Christians. That's what it is um, at, its, at its very core. Um, so if you already do this and you maybe have a few people that you meet up with regularly or, or whatever it may be, just have a look at the material. There's going to be a web page and you can drop me an email as well. Um, I'll give you the details They're on, on the screen, actually. Um, if you already do this, great. Let us encourage you. Um, please let us know, by the way, if you are already doing this. We'd love to hear from you. Um, I'd love to hear how your group works and what you're doing. But yeah, allow this to encourage you. Maybe look at some of the stuff that we've put together because, like I said, I, I've done this over a few years and I've done it with a few different groups and God, I feel God has really spoken to me about it so there might be some helpful things in that. It might be that your group needs, um, you know, re-energized or, or whatever else. So let this encourage you, but keep going mm. because I know so many of you do this in, in, different, in different guises. So mm. absolutely. Amazing. If there's people like listening who, who kind of think, yeah, I really like the sound of that, but that's, that's not something I am doing at the moment. Like, how can they make a start? Yeah, and do you know what? Like, I'll be the first to say that this can be, this can be daunting, a little daunting. As, as Chris said, like, opening up your life to others in whatever, whatever way you do it, it can be, a, can be a little daunting. Every time, I've had a few groups now, um, every time I ask about starting a new group, I, you know, I get a little nervous. Hey guys, do you want to? You know, because it's and as Chris said, it's it sort of sometimes works against the grain of what our society is telling us at the minute. You know, um, opening up, being vulnerable to other people, saying you know this is where I'm at and this is where the rubber hits the road for me. That's difficult. So yeah, absolutely. If you're feeling those things and if you're sitting in your chair and squirming a little bit, I totally hear you. That's how I feel a lot of the time. Um, but if you if you are, please get in touch with us. Um, if you don't know who to ask or you know, like I said, you're maybe new to Kings and you would like to do this, drop us an email with the email that's on the screen um, and we will try and, and collate the people that want to form groups but maybe just don't know who to ask or don't know who to be with. And we'll try our best to, to get you guys together. Um, but do you know what? Like, organic is great and friendships of whatever level are a great place to start. I really would say that, you know, if there's some people who you just naturally, or they don't, you don't need to be, best friends you don't need to have grown up together or whatever but if you're naturally drawn to other people and you get on with them and you know and you find conversation works that is naturally going to be really really helpful and you know and it's going to be a great a great basis for this but if you're not or if you're new or you're a bit worried about asking just drop us an email we'll have a chat with you it'll be um yeah really relaxed and we'll try and get you together with others um, but like i said it is a natural instinct and like i said i get it every time i i try to start a new group of like oh here we go you know i have to um, but as I'll talk about in a wee minute, it's really life-giving, and I think it's really important. What would you say to people who are just thinking, yeah, it sounds great, but I've got a lot on my plate. You know, yeah. it, life, yeah. life's busy. You know, we, we do a lot of things already. What, what would you say? <coughs> do you know what? I would say I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Do you know, here we are at the front of church asking us to do another thing 
My, I lead a small group. I serve on mighties. These kids are crazy. And <laughs> you want me to start another group? Like, I was prepping for this. Buttering toast. Micah was shouting, digger, 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 daddy, digger, digger, digger. So I get it. Like, life is horrendously busy. And do you know what? And because you'll not mind me saying this, in church we're called in to serve, and it's right that we are, but that can be busy too. Small groups require our participation and our involvement, and maybe we lead studies, and maybe we engage, and, and it's right that we do, but yeah, I absolutely hear you. But I think what I've come, and what God has really put in my heart, and what has brought me full circle in all of this, is that's exactly why we need to be doing this. We need to start from the ground up. You know, we're called as Christians to lead our families and to bring God into our workplaces and to lead in church and all the things that I've talked about. Um, And it's really important that I think that we're meeting with our brothers and sisters and saying, but how are you doing? How how is your relationship with God? You know, where is the rubber hitting the road? What are you struggling with? What can I pray with you for? What can I encourage you in? Um, Because that's kind of like the early warning system, isn't it? Um, and that's kind of the design I think that God's given us. We're meant to consider each other. Like, it's what we're told to do. And I know you are probably sick hearing me say it. I said it at the church weekend away. But, like, we are meant to consider our brothers and sisters. And I think for the spiritual health of the church and for all that we're called into, this is really important. So, you know, make, I would say, try and make time for this. Um, because uh, I've, I met with my group last night, actually, and, you know, I always return filled and, and blessed and encouraged. Um, and the other thing I would say is I don't want this to feel like a burden. Mm. You should be thinking, happy days on Friday. I'm getting together with my running group. That'll be a bit of time where, you know, we can talk with each other, see each other. But it should be a joyful time, um, a spirit-filled, a spirit-led time where you're, you're just seeing how each other's doing and then figuring out how, um, how you can encourage each other in that. So yeah, absolutely here where you're coming from if you're thinking, oh my goodness, they want me to do something else. But just try and reframe the thinking process around it. Like mm-hmm. I said, it's, it's life-giving and I found it life-giving and mm-hmm. I think it's really important. And it's, it's that, like I said, that early warning system that my dad maybe never had and, and other people might have. Mm-hmm. Might not have. Thanks, Matt. That's yeah. great. So there you go. That's, that's Running Partners. Can we just uh, thank Matt for sharing with us? Let like you uh, hobble down. <laughs> Are you, you can do that. Just, uh, we'll just wait until Matt makes his way down the stairs there. So there, there you go. That, that's it. That's a simple concept, isn't it? But something we believe is really going to bring life to so many of us if we engage with it. And um, as Matt says, we, we'd love to help you if you want to get involved in, in a group. And... You might, be, you might be sitting there thinking this whole time this morning, like, ah, oh, you know what? Fine, but this just, isn't, this just isn't me. Like, nah, opening up those doors took me a lot. I just want to say there's an encouragement for you that the Holy Spirit wants to transform us. He wants to change us. So um, we can ask him to do that as we, as we set about this. So there you go. We've run on a bit. Um, Dan, is there anything else? We want to. Sure, I think we've probably run out, of, run out of time there. But thank you so much um, to Matt for sharing with us this morning, and just want to encourage you. Just as we as we stop now, we're going to have tea and coffee together. What do you? You could just turn to the person next to you and think, ask them, what, what do you think about 
can you think about this concept? Grab a cup of coffee, enjoy time together, enjoy time connecting together as church family this morning. If you're joining us online, thanks so much. Uh, there's going to be the Zoom meeting that you can uh, join, led by Chris and Jill, in just a moment. And hopefully the details are going to be on the screen shortly. But if you've got kids at Kids Work, it's time to go and collect them now. Thanks so much. <laughs>